right? So I'm going to read this very well-known passage, and um, we got to go fast. I said sometimes I have to talk extra long because you guys just listen slow. You get distracted, and the Holy Spirit says, you've got you to expand on that because I don't think they're getting it, right? So if you listen, you listen a little faster, we'll get done with this quicker. Read with me Luke chapter 2, verse 1. <clears throat> this is the story, the Christmas story we call it, but it's actual history. It's real stuff that happened. Ready? It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, this was a census. It was for the purpose of extracting tax out of people. We know this history records this, all right? Outside of the Bible, we have evidence this is true. This was the first registration. And I like the way Luke, being the historian that he was, he documents this and pinpoints and details it. So that now we can go back and we can trace out like, yep, this is true. So he says this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. So one smart thing that the Romans did, the Jews were already, they were tough to deal with for the Roman Empire, but they were already split up into these tribes, right? We've studied about in the Old Testament how that happened, the 12 tribes. So the Roman government decided to use that, the tribal system and the family lines, to, in their census... Right? Um, no, somehow or another, they want money out of us. That's just like our government today, whatever they're doing. It's somehow or another. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, uh, that's what it was. They used that, and it, and it worked real well. So that's what's happening here, that they all went to be registered to their own town. Look at verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, where they were, to Judea. Why did he do that? To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Why? Because he was of the house and lineage of David. Just like prophecy had said, the Messiah would come through the house of David, the tribe of Judah. So he went there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed. This is that legal binding. It's different than our engagement because this was a legal thing. That happened, and you legally, there were dowries that were paid and things like that. You legally entered into this contract for marriage. It could only be broken by death or by putting away or divorce, as we would call it. This is before the actual wedding. So that was their situation. They were betrothed. Who was with child? Oops. Now, I want you, as we read through this, think about the scandal. Think about the fulfillment of this promise that was made in the Garden of Eden. And that God chose to do it in a way that was surrounded by controversy and perhaps scandal. Of how all this happened. The King, the Messiah, comes into the world. You would have never thought it would be like this. Isn't that just like God? It says, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son... And wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Because why would you lay a baby in a manger? I want you to get out of your head the cozy little nativity scenes, the birth scenes that we have. None of them are historically accurate, pretty much. Um, why would you lay a kid in a trough that animals eat out of? Well, it tells us there was no place for them in the end. In the end, or the, the houses where they would have rooms for people. Meanwhile, 
says, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. By, so I don't have to say this later, all right? If I start repeating this, just wave at me. No, don't. Okay, do. One reason why this is important is they were out with the flock. What kind of flocks? Well, pretty much it was sheep that they had historically. We can research this. And many times the shepherds stayed out with the flocks, just like the cowboys used to do when the cows were calving. They wanted to be out there. Uh, they would be with the flocks. These babies are vulnerable. Sometimes there could be trouble. So they, they just pretty much camped out there. And normally, normally that did happen more toward the spring of the year. So, you know, the timing of the day, yeah, it's probably not December 25th. We don't know. We don't know. Doesn't matter. But anyway, they're out there with the flock. Oh, one more thing can I mention? And we'll get back to reading. That is that history tells us that it was in this area outside of Jerusalem, Bethlehem's not very far away, where there were special flocks that were raised and cared for, and these were the ones that were going to be certified for use in the temple. Because you know, as you came, if you came on Passover or whenever to offer your sacrifice, it had to be without spot and blemish. Um, and it kind of got a little crazy because some of the high priests started kind of extorting people over this. You take care and bring your own lamb to be, and they might find something wrong with it. Well, but but we, we have temple-approved lambs over here that you can buy, right? So they did rip people off, but it could be, we don't know, it could be the same area, it could be the same flocks that they were raising sheep that some of them would become Temple-approved, priest-approved sacrifices. Isn't that, but doesn't that connect a, a, a weird dot right there? That it was to these who were raising these lambs that would be sacrifices that the angel first announced the Lamb of God who is the sacrifice for our sin, that all of those represent. That's just a little historical thing that, that might line up there. Uh, this is another one of those things you have to hold with an open hand, but there is truth here. Uh, so it could be. Nevertheless, it wasn't to the kings, it wasn't to anyone else, it was to local ranch hands, local farm guys, shepherds, that the announcement was first made. So there they are, and it says in verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around, it says Shekinah glory perhaps, shone around them, just the radiance. They were filled with great fear. Not something that happens every day. All of a sudden, you know, people would think, you know, what, I don't know, nowadays people think it's a UFO, they would think it's some kind of ghost, they would think, they wouldn't know what to think. So you can imagine these guys being scared, so the first words out of the angel's mouth is, fear not, don't be afraid. For behold, here's what I bring you, good news. What's another word for good news? This can be interactive, by the way, not just here to watch me do this. What is, what is it? Gospel, that's what the word gospel literally means. I'm bringing you the gospel, the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born. Now pay particular attention to verse 11. That's really what we're going to focus on. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly 
there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Well, folks, there are a lot of religions in the world. But, you know, this time of year, Christmas kind of takes center stage. More so than any other made-up holiday or even Hanukkah or anything else. Christmas pretty much dominates still, even in this crazy pagan world we live in. It overshadows everything else. There are a lot of belief systems out there, right? And there are a lot of religions, but there's only one gospel, only one good news. There are a lot of religious teachers. There are a lot of religious gurus and leaders, but there's only one Savior who is Lord over all. And that's the unique thing about the good news, the gospel. All the other religions are about what, as we talk about often, all the other religions are about what you do to kind of reach the next level or whatever it is. True Christianity tells us that because there's good news means there's also what? Bad news, or else it'd just be news, right? So it tells us that there is nothing you can do on your own to reach it. You, in fact, start by admitting that you are a sinner, that you can't do it. You acknowledge that sin. You turn. You repent of that sin. You trust in the pavement that God himself made on your behalf on the cross. You trust in that totally. Not that plus me working my way to merit my way. No, it's all him. All what he provides. That's what the good news is all about. Um, so the New Testament tells us, it reveals to us that the main purpose of the Old Testament and the law was to show us that we cannot achieve God's perfection on our own. We're contaminated by sin. Started with Adam and Eve, but it goes right on down, especially through me. That we cannot achieve God's perfection, God's standard of righteousness on our own. I mean, that's why in the law of the Old Testament, that's why that sacrificial system was built right in there, right? But it always had to be repeated. All those sacrifices, but they were all symbols of something God was going to do. Right there in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve sinned, as we've talked about many times, right there the promise was made that the seed of a woman, which is foretelling a virgin birth, by the way, that one was coming who would be a deliverer. This one would crush the serpent, the devil, the enemy's head. He would be our deliverer. And then later on, God separated out a man named Abraham. And he said, it's going to happen through this guy who's already too old to have children and so is his wife. But they're going to have a child. They are. And through that line of people, there's going to come one that's going to be a blessing to all people. Not just your people. All people, all nations. What does the angel say here? Direct fulfillment of this. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for what? All the people. That was always on God's heart. It was always about all the nations, all the people. And uh, that's why as time goes on, as we looked at last week even, Paul told us in Galatians 4 and verse 4, he said, when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, 
born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, that is to buy back out of bondage those who are under the law. That's all of us. And that we might receive adoptions as sons. Adoptions as sons applies to both men and women because it's not a matter of gender here. It's a matter of position. That we are heirs. We're all full heirs of God. We're going to inherit the kingdom of God. I think that's pretty powerful. But Paul's saying it, and we talked about this last week, I know. You can go back and listen to it. We talked about this, how that at the very right time in history, it happened. And it happened right here on planet Earth. Built into God's plan, even before he spoke the universe into existence, was the fact that he knew we would need a Savior. That was a great mystery that was uh, relayed in the Old Testament, but it wasn't fully revealed until the New Testament. And that was this, this deliverer, this Messiah, this anointed one that would come. And then we find out as we get into the New Testament, this deliverer, this Messiah, and this one that would set up this eternal kingdom, that this kingdom would start inside of us. It starts by us being reborn. It starts with us being changed. Our whole eternity's changed. Our lives begin to be changed. But one day it's going to be physical and literal. He is really going to rule and reign. That's what the Bible teaches. And um, that, that here's the thing, that this deliverer would come. We get to the New Testament, we find out that this deliverer, this Messiah, this king, this anointed one, is none other than God himself, who would come to earth in human flesh and redeem us from the penalty of sin. He is the gift the greatest gift of all. So mark this down. We do have notes online, by the way, if you're using your YouVersion app. Uh, hopefully you can add your own. But here's one thing I put in there that I want us to really think about. I don't have it up here, but I think I put it in there. If, listen to me. If it wasn't for the cross, the manger would have been meaningless. If it wasn't for the cross, if it wasn't for... Easter Christmas would be meaningless. If it wasn't for the cross, the manger would have been meaningless. And if it wasn't for the resurrection, the cross would have been a tragedy. So all of it works together. In order to die on the cross, he had to be born, had to be fully human and fully God. In order to be resurrected, he had to really die. Amen? So it all fits together. It's all part of the story. So I want to look at this verse, and let's just take a, take a deep, med let's meditate on it. Let's just pray that we're not just here to just put in our time and say we've been to church service, but that, that we're here to be equipped with the Word of God, the Spirit of God, using the Word that He's authored to help apply, help us understand it, help us respond to it, and that we be changed, that we be better equipped, that we be a better disciple, that we worship together, that we grow because of this. This has a, a big impact on our week on our life, on our forever, because we're here. So the deliverer is born. Um, Luke gives us this timeline. I've already kind of summarized it, that God even used the heathen government to accomplish his purpose. The Bible, it was the right time, but you and I know that, was, that, that, that Mary and Joseph are living in Nazareth, which is in Galilee, the prophecy was that this Messiah, this coming deliverer, would be born in Bethlehem in Judea. And it wasn't like, oh, by the way, I've been reading scripture here. Mary, we need to go. 
That wasn't it at all. It's amazing how God gets things done. That he used Caesar to issue this decree that he thought was a great idea. And for the Roman government, it seemed to be a great idea to tax everybody, to register everybody. See, they were trying to watch everybody back then and get all they could out of them. Anyway, you're always worried about the government watching you and stuff like that. People are paranoid about it. But then we tell everybody everything we do right there on social media. You know, okay, that's, that's, that's a whole other thing. Stop getting me off track here. But this was similar to what's going on here. Um, they're, they're tracking everyone. And because of this, this king, this ruler, the decree was that they had to go. They had to. Because normally, with her already being very pregnant, you wouldn't want to make a trip like that. They didn't have comfortable transportation, to say the least. Right? It was going to be a grueling trip. Now, I've never been pregnant. <laughs> so I want to be very careful about what I say here. And if I ever am, something's really bad. No. But I would imagine... Having, in my past, lived with a pregnant woman, things can get very uncomfortable for everyone. Things can be very complicated and difficult. Everyone's afraid to say amen, but I'm just trying to say this was a long journey and it was not an easy journey. They would not have gone there. She would have had the baby in Nazareth had it not been for the fact they had to go. Or they're going to be in trouble. But God used that for the fullness of time and everything being in the right place. I want to tell you, God is just and is in control today as he was then. And it seems like the world's out of control and there are dictators doing crazy things, and there's people who have weapons of mass destruction who might very well be crazy and things like that, understand God is still in control. His plan is still right on track. I just want to make sure I'm in the right part of that plan and I'm on the right team. How about you? So Luke gives us this as, it, as it's laid out there. He even documents it. So they make that journey that much has been difficult. And they go to Bethlehem. I had this verse up last week. Way back hundreds of years before the prophet Micah in the Old Testament said in Micah 5.2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Someone who's eternal? That doesn't even make sense unless you know. And if you know, you know, Right? Back then they didn't know, but they, this is a mystery. Now it's been revealed. Uh, so Mary gave birth in a place that wasn't very comfortable. Um, we don't know. It, it probably wasn't the cozy little stable. They didn't really build a lot of things out of wood like that back then. Most things were built out of stone. Uh, possibly a cave, we think, where animals were kept. Now we don't know if because of the suspicion, because they were betrothed, they were a good couple, but everybody knows they're counting up days, see? All of a sudden, she's showing and can't hide it, and it ain't time yet, right? 
So the normal thing is everybody's like, something been going on. Right? Come on. Can you imagine how difficult? We know it was difficult for Joseph. Didn't make any sense. But he was such a good man and loved Mary so much that when he finds out she's pregnant, he knows he hasn't been with her. You know, Mary understood uh, being a young gal. She goes, you're going to be pregnant, you're going to have a baby. How's this going to be? Because I've never, I've never been with a guy. She understood more about the birds and the bees than I think a lot of people today do. This is how it happens. So, Joseph could have put her away, could have made a public example out of her, but, or put her away privately to protect her, which is kind of what he was thinking. Then the angel appeared to him and said, hey, chill out. She's telling the truth. I mean, because think about it. You're engaged, you're betrothed, legal agreement. And during that time of betrothal, the bride would be preparing herself for marriage. The groom would be preparing a place to live. Remember when Jesus said, I'm going away, I'm going to do what? I'm preparing a place. Later on, Paul likens Christ to the bridegroom and the church is the bride. He's coming for, he's preparing a place. It's all beautiful, beautiful, all goes together. So amazing, so, so intricate. But um, that all of a sudden she is pregnant. Joseph, I got to tell you something. Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm still a virgin an angel appeared to me and said that the Holy Spirit was going to come over me. Yeah. That would be a tough one. See, you've heard it all your life. We read it in the Christmas play, but put yourself in Joseph's place hearing this for the first time. Aren't you glad that God gives us that little extra that we need when we need it? And the angel's like, okay. I'm, the Lord says, go, go, go visit him. So he has a heavenly visitor as well. That encourages him. And it's like they don't care what everybody else thinks. But isn't it amazing? Listen, so many times we feel rejected. We feel like people look down their nose at us. Feel like all these holier-than-thou people out there. I will to tell you, that's the kind, that's the, that's the kind that, that, that Jesus had the most confrontation with. He chose to come into the world under this cloud of suspicion. Among some working class poor folk. And even when it came time to be born, we don't know this for sure, but there's no mention of a midwife being there. We don't know. Oh, by the way, couples were usually betrothed in that culture when the girls were like 13 or 14, the boy like 14 or 15. It's very possible and very likely that Mary was somewhere around 14 years old, 15. 16 at the most, probably. That's just, we don't know. So when you think of Mary, you're, you're thinking about a teenager. You're thinking about Joseph. You're thinking about someone who was still in his teens. So let's, let's, let's get the right nativity scene here, okay? And I don't know whether because the journey was tough, it took them longer and everything filled up. Or we don't know, perhaps possible because of this cloud of suspicion, that everybody's like, you ain't staying. Oh, this is just me, okay? I'm not saying this in the Bible. You ain't staying with us. You guys got yourself into that situation, right? I don't know. That could have happened, or it could have been that they were just slow getting there. I don't know if there were still animals around watching all this, 
or if somebody actually was trying to help them out and cleaned out a, a place uh, and cleaned out this. So this is how it happens. And she gives birth. Joseph was there, but we don't know if anyone else was helping or not. Maybe not. Maybe no one, maybe they heard the cries of the baby. Or I don't know. She wrapped him in these strips of cloth, is what that, the word indicates. And you can't hold the baby all the time. The only place they had was the trough that was sometimes hewn out of rock. Probably not the pretty little wooden thing. Now, those would have rotted too quickly. It was probably hewn out of rock, and the baby was laid right in there. It, it, it worked. That's weird. I grew up on a farm. I don't think any of us kids were ever put in the trough. Now, sometimes we cleaned out the water trough and filled it up and played in it, but that's a whole different deal right there. But that would be a weird thing, right? Where's the baby? Oh, out there in the animal's trough. What? Just setting the stage here. So this happens. And at the same time, then the angel appears to these shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock. Remember the whole thing about the sheep, the lambs, the sacrifice, all that. And the, and the shepherds and what this represents. There's a lot of symbolism here that we don't even have time to get into. The angel appears to them. So it seems like a single angel. The glory of the Lord shone round about them all around. And they were so afraid. They didn't know what was going on. They had never read this. They would never seen a Christmas program. Can't imagine what that would have been like. The radiant light. And they were so afraid. And the angel speaks, and I'm sure speaks in their Hometown language, so they understood it. Don't be afraid. This is all about bringing you the gospel. This is all about bringing you good news. And, with, of, of, and it says here in the ESV, English Standard Version, um, says, I bring you good news of great joy. When you read that in the, in the original language of the Bible, the, the Greek, I bring you good news of mega is the word. We use that word sometimes in the English, don't we? Mega joy. It's not just joy, it's mega joy. I don't know, somehow that just jumped out and blessed me first time I saw it. Mega joy. You got mega joy? Why not? That's what he came to give you. I'm not talking about emotion of happiness, I'm talking about the fruit of the spirit of joy. Great joy. And so he says, born this city, this day is born in the city of David, verse 11. This is good news, great joy for all people. For unto you is born this day in this, right there. So it was that day, maybe right after it happened, in the city of David. We've already covered that. Bethlehem and why. That lines up with prophecy, doesn't it? These shepherds probably knew those scriptures. It's lining up. In the city of David is born. Who? Well, this baby who is Savior. Unto you is born... Savior. Now, the word Savior literally could be translated deliverer. This Savior, this deliverer was promised back in Genesis chapter 3. And this promise was repeated all the way through. There's a deliverer coming. And that's what that word Savior means. He's a deliverer, a rescuer. So this rescuer is born this day. And your deliverer, by the way, is a baby. How awesome is that? Isn't our God amazing? 
You guys act like you've heard this so much, it's like, no big deal. <laughs> this event, oh, by the way, the wise men, yes, it's true, they probably didn't show up till sometime later. We know that when they did show up, Mary and Joseph weren't out there in the, in the stable. They were in a house. And that the wise men first saw the star, as they were telling Herod, up to two years before, we know. By the way, he calculated the time to get rid of the babies. So either the Lord gave him the star before he was born, or it was at least sometime after. It could have been two years later that they happened along and brought gifts. We put them all together, I guess, for convenience. But just so you know the story. But this whole scene, this event, is not about gifts. It's not about parties. It's not even about all those things are fine, but it's not about that. It's not about decorations. It's not about retail sales. It's about deliverance. This whole thing is about deliverance and salvation for all people. Salvation and eternal life. Salvation from eternal destruction and eternal life. And he continues to deliver us. He is my deliverer to deliver me from sin that binds and destroys me. Deliver me from myself. How about that one? In my own sinful nature, my own selfishness, my own selfish desires. He delivers me. Delivers me from a corrupt world that we live in. He delivers me from death. He will deliver me right into eternal life. And he will continue to deliver us from sinful acts and habits and attitudes and decisions. Even from thoughts. He can deliver us. He even sends then later his presence to live inside of us. The Spirit of God. God the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. To indwell us and to empower us. So we're not just reading word on the page. But the author lives inside of us. This is what this is about. He delivers us to live our lives on a whole higher plane. That will culminate in a forever kingdom of heaven. It will be everything that what it was supposed to be here was meant to be plus a million times more. You will be the you God always meant for you to be forever. It'll never end. I said this at both funerals that I spoke at this week. You know, because of their faith in Christ, I uh, was talking about we're, we're, we're mourning uh, the passing of Sister Lavelle. But had you asked her what the best day of her life, if you could ask her now what the best day of her life was, there might be a lot of suggestions, but I have a feeling she would say that it was a week ago Thursday evening when she left tired, aged body and stepped into glory. And I mentioned how that, I've just been thinking about this ever since, how that sometimes you have like one of those really good days, whether it's and I can only speak from a guy perspective once again, whether it's out on the lake or the river and you see the beautiful sunrise or sunset or up in a tree stand, right? Out in the woods or up on the mountains, 
you know, when you're up there and it's snowing, you know, I'll, I tell you, I just have, I, can I just tell you something, just, just to break the tension here, I got to tell you a personal testimony that um, hopefully it's going to work out here in a few weeks, my brother and I go skiing again, but it's always, especially that first trip up the mountain on the lift, right, and, and some of you can say amen on this because you've been there, but you're on there and it's just, if it's a beautiful morning, you know, and, and the last time, oh man, it was just so amazing because it was a beautiful morning, the sun was just coming up over, it wasn't over the mountain yet where you could see it, but and, and it was just a light little, uh, uh, you know, like when it's real cold, you see these little crystals floating through the air. It wasn't snowing because it was clear. But, and we're going up the lift, up the mountain. And it was just like, wow, Lord, you did all this. And I just had such a worshipful time. It was just like, man, this is awesome. I just wanted to start shouting, hallelujah. Uh, people probably think, wait a minute, there's a guy on lift one that's gone crazy. But um, I just, it was a very worshipful, I just felt the presence and the power of God. And I, I just couldn't contain myself. But you know what? That day ended. But on the best day you'll ever have, can you imagine that day never end and just getting better forever? That's what he's got, a, he's got for us. And so that's what he has. So uh, this baby is the deliverer, the Savior. He is Savior who is what? Christ. Do you see that? So that means he's not only Savior, this baby is the Messiah, the word Christ and Messiah are the same. It means the anointed one. Messiah comes from the Hebrew. Christ comes from the Greek of that. So they mean the same thing. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the promised anointed one who is to come. He is the coming king who will deliver you. That's who he is. He's not only deliverer, savior, who is Christ, but he's also Christ the Lord this baby is Lord, and Scott sang about it. And I don't know of anybody else, even the pros that make money off of this, that God uses to do any better job with that song than Scott. Amen. You agree. Um, but this is what that was about. That he is not only the Savior, Deliverer, he's not only the Messiah, Christ, the Anointed One, he is also Lord. Do you see how much is in that one little verse, verse 11? In that power pack, he's all of these things. He is Lord. Now, the Greek word translated Lord there, I know it can be used in a lot of different ways, but immediately in the New Testament and in the early church days of the writings we have, this is the word that they use to refer to Yahweh, to Jehovah God, that And when they translated the Old Testament scriptures into Greek, this is the word they chose for the sacred name of God. He is Lord. This is who he is. And he's identified this way. That's what the angel is saying. It's not just Mr. or Sir. He is Jehovah God. Wow. Just think, this deliverer we've been expecting is God himself. Wow. And right there is all you need to know. He's a baby. He's Lord. He's both human and divine. The only one equipped to save us. Then we read where the shepherds were summoned to do what? To worship him. And that's what they do. And I'm not going to read the rest of it, but they actually go there and they find him. Can you imagine how this scene played out? How are we going to find him? Well... The angel says, here's how you're going to find him. Wrapped in swaddling cloths. That, that wasn't too unusual, was it? No? Are you with me? We're wrapping up, just so you know. 
Swaddling cloths. That's not unusual. Lying in a manger. Now that's weird. There was no other baby lying in a feed trough. So that was the identifier the angels gave. When you go into town, this is how you're going to know because you're not going to find any other baby that's lying in a trough. So can you imagine these guys being so excited? Man, we're going right now. And so they tear into town. They're probably rough, probably dirty. You ever been around sheep or goats? Yeah, they probably stink. The shepherd's showing up. If the wind's right, you're going to smell them before you see them. Like a bunch of cowboys that's been out living with the cattle for days or weeks. They come riding into town. Well, they, they were probably walking into town. But anyway, they got there. And I mean, this is weird. You see these shepherds. What are you guys doing here? And, and, and it's not a pretty sight. But they're going there like, well, you guys don't believe this. But angels appear to us and said there's this baby born who is Christ, who is the Lord. He's the Savior. And, um, and the baby, what babies? Well, I don't know of any babies. I don't know anybody. Somebody says, well, um, hey, I heard there's a couple out in the stable that had a baby. But them, wait a minute, in the stable? Yeah, yeah, they're out there, and they got that baby laying, get this, in a feeding trough. They're like, wait a minute, that's just what the angel said. This is the one. That's how they found it. They knew right where to go. And when they got there, what did they do? They worshiped him. Now, understand this in the scriptures. No one is allowed to worship anyone but God. You're not allowed to bow and worship an angel or anything else, but they worshiped him. It's very significant because he is Lord. And as we look back at this scene, when, they first, when the angel first appeared, it said all of a sudden, after the angel made that first announcement, the heavenly host appeared around him. Now, host is another word for army or multitude. The angel army of God appeared around. What was that like? I hope when we get to heaven, we're going to see all this, but I'd like to see a video clip of this scene and the way the look on their faces. By the way, this is the same angel. Before we shut this down, I got to say this. This is the same angel army that will be dispatched one day to judge the world. Here they are announcing good news. And here's what I want to finish with. Because of that one who was born that's going to bring peace and mega joy and good news and he's Savior, Deliverer, Messiah, and Lord, because of all of that, he existed forever. He took our sins to the cross. He paid the eternal price for them. He conquered death. He conquers the grave. Because of that, you don't have to be in that number of people who fall under the judgment. Because if you've trusted this gift. If you've received this gift by faith and trusted in this Savior who is Lord, your sins were paid for on the cross. Does that sound too incredible? That's exactly what Paul tells us right here in this verse we end with in Romans 8.1. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation. That word condemnation means judgment. There is no judgment to those who are in Christ Jesus. You're in Christ. How do you become in Christ? By receiving him as your Lord and Savior. It's simple as you praying and asking him to forgive you of your sins. You acknowledge you're a sinner and you ask him to save you. I believe that what you did for me was payment for my sins and I, I ask you to save me. Romans 10 tells us that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise. That's a promise.
That's a fact, Jack. I don't know how else to say it. God can't break a promise. And he's going to empower us to not be controlled by the flesh, but by the spirit. So I'm so glad he's my deliverer. All right? And so let me just ask you, is he your savior? Verse 11, is he your savior? Is he your Messiah? Is he your king? Is he your Lord? Why not proclaim him that today? Pray with me. Father, guide us as we go forth from here.